You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is actually a trivia question. It was 1831. In front of his distinguished colleagues at the French Academy of Medicine, Professor Toury drank a lethal dose of poison and lived to tell the tale. He combined his deadly poison with an antidote that's now commonly used in emergency rooms for acute poisoning. Do you know the name of the antidote? What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. On today's show, you're going to notice that there's actually three people on. There's me and there's two guests. Those guests would be Richard Nikolai and Tim Steele. We're going to be talking about poop. Guys, welcome to the show. <laughs> Great intro. <laughs> so let me give you guys a, a better intro than that. Richard, you and I have known each other for, I think, four, five years now. Uh, yeah. First met over uh, some only slightly off oysters. And you're an interesting guy. You've been a Navy officer. You've been an entrepreneur. And you write freetheanimal.com, which is kind of a paleo-ish 
sort of blog. You know, you're paleo, but you keep eating starch and doing weird stuff Found, like that. Yeah, foundation, yeah. Some rice <laughs> and potatoes. And even so, I made the best pot of beans ever yesterday. Beans? Oh, my God. Oh my. Lectins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. But anyhow, I, I'm actually a fan of your blog. I appreciate your writing and your research and your your entire lack of, of caution when experimenting with yourself, something that I share. And uh, our, other, <laughs> our other guest uh, today is Tim Steele, who is better known actually as Tater Tot. And he's from the same general quadrant of the world uh, as me. Uh, he's from Alaska. I'm from up here in British Columbia, where we can almost see Alaska and just like the Alaskans can almost see the Russians. Tim writes guest posts on Free the Animal and on Dr. Grace Liu's Dr. BG Animal Farm blog. And you've heard Dr. Grace Liu on this podcast, sort of. Our audio quality was bad, so we put that just on YouTube. And I'm going to get the transcript of Dr. Liu's interview because it was really amazing, but you just couldn't hear everything she said. You could say Tim is the mainstay behind the rediscovery of starch, and not just any starch, but specific starches that feed gut bacteria and don't raise your blood sugar, things that don't cause the problems that normal starch causes. At least they don't cause those problems in some people. So today we're going to talk resistant starch, which has been kind of taking the paleo community by storm. I talked with Mark Sisson about this recently, and he mentioned on, on the podcast that he wished he'd known a little bit more about this earlier on, or he'd paid more attention to it because he'd seen the research. So I'm, I'm really pleased to have like two of the leaders in bringing out only like a couple hundred studies of bringing these to light. So I don't know which one of you wants to sort of take this, but let's define resistant starch for people who are listening and maybe don't quite know much about resistant starch. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I can talk about this forever. Um, yeah, resistant starch is uh, it's a starch granule that's found in, in uh, a lot of different plants, potatoes, bananas. Uh, nuts, grains, um, different anything that's starchy kind of has a, uh, a characteristic of resistant starch in there. And when, when the plant is not cooked and when it's in its raw state, the starch granules are intact when you eat them and they, they uh, resist digestion by your stomach acid and your small intestine. And they end up in your large intestine where they serve as food for, for your gut bacteria. So, um, yeah, so there, there's four different types of resistant starch. Uh, resistant starch one is found in nuts and grains, and it's kind of preserved by a, uh, a shell, like, like in, in a nut, you know. Then there's resistant starch two, and that's in bananas and, and potatoes mostly. And these are just the starch granules that are uh, just, you know, in, in, in the plant. Then resistant starch three is if you cook those starch, like resistant starch two, if you cook them, they expand and, and uh, they, they turn into just readily digestible starch. And then when you cool them down, they form a crystal structure and they once again become resistant to, to digestion. So that's called resistant starch three. Then there's another resistant starch four, and these are man-made. If you ever look on a food label, you'll see something like, like uh, polydextrins or modified starches or things like that. And those are resistant starch fours. And uh, these, these are man-made. There's mostly a trick by the by the food industry just to get more fiber in your food, and it has has some other properties that they like. So it was added in in a lot of manufactured processed foods that that we try to stay away from. Um, uh, let me add one thing one thing there on the uh, RS2, which is uh, you know in your things like the green bananas or the potato starch. 
and just to distinguish between potato starch and potato flour, potato starch is just the granules in a raw potato. You can do it yourself just by grating and and working uh, water uh, in, uh, and, and all those granules will fall out of there. Potato flour is basically just a cooked potato that's ground, uh, you know, cooked and desiccated and then ground up into flour. But uh, uh, one way to understand the difference between the RS2 granules of starch uh, and rapidly digesting starch is popcorn. The, what makes popcorn pop is there's there's a little bit of moisture inside that granule, and when it gets to a certain temperature, the thing just goes poof. And that's exactly what uh, what resistant starch like potato starch granules are. So when you get to about 140 degrees, it will they will pop just like popcorn. You know, one thing you can do is take uh, take a rounded teaspoon, stir it up in some water. And you'll see it sinks to the bottom like a non-Antonium fluid. It's like clay. It's really, you stir it up, pop it in the microwave for a minute, it comes out and you basically have hair gel. So, so those things have all popped this, at that point. And that's why it makes a good thickener for sauces. So you do a little slurry and dump it in there when it's boiling. And that's what happens. Those little things pop and that, but that hair gel kind of thing is all dispersed. And so you get a thickening for a sauce. It's one of the better sauce thickeners, actually. It works better than cornstarch. And this is, which one, RS2? Well, I'm talking specifically potato starch, but that's okay. basically that's basically why you can't cook RS2 and retain. Well, some of the foods do retain a small portion, uh, but then once it's cooked, as Tim said, it will, and you cool it down, these things kind of recrystallize. It's not the same granule. It's more of a tight crystal structure that has the same effect. It re resists digestion. And, uh, and there's actually, I believe, Tim, there's actually different bacteria that like the RS3. So it's, it's kind of a good thing to get both the RS2 and the RS3. Uh, I, uh, yeah, RS2 and RS3. So in the course of, of creating the, the Bulletproof Diet, which admittedly now I, I think paleo and, and some of my recommendations are coming closer and closer together when you get guys like uh, Chris Kresser coming out saying you have to modify this and you can add this. And, and I, I love just the direction that thinking's going. But the, the learning that I got out of this is that you know all proteins don't affect the body the same way. There's a difference between soy protein, egg protein, and collagen protein. You know, they're, they're just different substances. Just the fact they're all proteins, so is spider venom, but it, okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then you look at sugars, like there's different sugars. Fructose behaves differently in the liver than say sucrose or glucose. And you know, same thing for fats, you know, butyric acid, MCT, saturated fat, and corn oil are just different animals. And the fact that they're all fats doesn't really matter because they do different things. I've been, for a long time, since I lost 100 pounds, relatively suspicious on the starch side of things. I'm, I'm fine with some white rice and all, but I know that people tend to get fat. And uh, admittedly, I've had a terrible history um, from a digestive perspective because I was on antibiotics just about every month for 15 years because they had chronic sinusitis that just wouldn't go away. So they just kept putting me on antibiotics over and over and over as a kid uh, and strep throat as well. So uh, my gut biome is probably as bad as it gets, at least it was. 
and I managed to, after $50,000 worth of probiotics, I was actually on one of the ones that, that we're going to talk about today, for two, two and a half years uh, in the late 2000s without a lot of results. And I played with some starches, but I always did terrible starches because I didn't understand these different types, not only of starches, but of resistant starches. So I think you guys are bringing something that's worth understanding to light. And in the new Bulletproof Diet book that comes out December 2nd, I'm actually giving you credit for, hey, these guys have talked about all the science that everyone ignored. So I, I appreciate you've done it. There's, there's as, uh, what was the last I heard? There's roughly, I think, about 50 different kinds of starch structures. And RS1, RS2, RS3 are the three types that are resistant to, to digestion in, in humans. Now, I, but as far as how each of those other 47 or so that are, that are digested by us, how they actually play in that digestion, how fast they're digested or whatever is something I don't know, but, but I would, I would speculate that there's, there's just like with different proteins and just like with different amino acids, there's got to be, or I mean different fatty acids, there's got to be different, uh, perhaps different things that go on there, you know, sugars as well. It, it's, uh, it's fascinating because it used to be very difficult to get a good view of what's going on in the gut. So there's a company called Ubiome. I had them at the first biohacking conference about a year and a half ago, and they were promising to sequence the, the human gut biome. And I haven't got my results back, but I've sure been waiting for a while. And there's the American Gut Project, which I, I believe both of you have done, right? Um, we're looking at the, the species there. Tim, you've done it. Richard, have you? I have not, no. Okay, so it's on my to-do list, but I haven't done that one either because I kept expecting my UBIM results. And I've done some other analytics work, uh, the doctor's data, uh, comprehensive stool analysis kind of thing where you poop in a tray for three days and, and all that because I worked on fixing my gut a long time ago, and when I got the bulletproof diet thing down, like I stopped farting. I, I stopped having all of these like problems that really were significant for me, and it's been working for a very long time, but I'm always intrigued. So I, I read your blog, Richard, Tim, I saw your crazy comments on there. I went out and I got my plantain flour, uh, my potato starch. Uh, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but okay. I know that I'm one of the people who doesn't do well on potatoes. Uh, so I, they tend to cause joint pain and I don't respond well to nightshades. So one of the comments said, well, you could just use it rectally in my plantain flour hadn't arrived yet. So I actually used some uh, some potato starch uh, it through, we'll say th through the exit entrance there. And it was, uh, um, it, it did seem to have some effects on, you know, stool consistency and whatever, like positive effects, but I don't really have big problems there anyway. So like, okay, there's more bulk than there was before. And I started using the the plantain flour, and I started getting pretty foul gas. Like I just don't have gas anymore on the Bulletproof Diet. So I'm like, this isn't a good sign, but it could be a, an adjustment period. I was taking raw kefir that I make myself from grass-fed cows on the island where I live, you know, super, uh, super properly done. And I started getting hives, right, from this stuff. And so I quit the resistant starch and my hives went away, which sort of mean, all right, it doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, I've taken pig whipper makes, I've done all kinds of stuff, but it, it definitely made me think, all right, there's something going on here and how do I know what I'm feeding? So 
my first question for you guys is, you know, Tim, you're, you live as an Alaskan mountain man. You carry chicken manure. Uh, you know, you're at one with the earth and, and all that. Richard, you know, you're a Silicon Valley dweller, um, and you certainly don't get that. Even if you're taking a few capsules of probiotics, certainly I've been doing that for, I don't know, 20 years now. How, how do you know what's going to grow? Like, it's like you pour fertilizer on tumbleweeds, you just get bigger tumbleweeds. So, so how does resistant starch affect what's in the gut biome? It is difficult, and uh, one thing we found is potato starch is almost like a litmus test for what's in your gut, because potato starch is just a food. It's, it's a fraction of a food that every human should be able to eat without you know, major repercussions, and what we're finding is probably half of the people can't. You know, half the people that try potato starch probably have an issue with it of some sort, you know, even if it's just, you know, um, really bad gas right away that, that kind of goes away. But other people get, like you say, the hives, the joint pain. And, uh, you know, maybe it, it, some people it helps their sleep. Some people it makes their sleep worse. But everybody should be able to eat potato starch. It, it's uh, one of the, you know, it's not potato starch, but I mean just resistant starch in general. But it's one of the foods that we grew up with from the time, you know, two million years ago. We were eating raw yams on the African, you know, plains, and uh, and we sh you should be able to eat potato starch, and if you can't, then you have something going on in your gut. And a lot of times, what it seems like, there, there's yeast overgrowth, and uh, we had one lady on the blog named Nancy, and uh, she tried potato starch, and it gave her a really bad uh, reaction. I don't remember what, instant diarrhea that lasted for three days and stuff like wow. that. So she got a, a gut test, and she had a major overgrowth of a pathogen called Morganella. Oh, that's Morganella. bad stuff. 25% of her entire gut flora was made up of Morganella. And, uh, I mean, that, that to me, I didn't think that was possible to have that much of a pathogen in your stomach. And she'd been using low-carb and uh, different dietary interventions for years, and all, and all of her problems started after a bunch of rounds of antibiotics. And so she's been just nursing this morganella along for years. And when she tried the, the potato starch, had had instant, you know, um, bad reaction to it. They've got her gut results back. It's like you can see right off what happened. And uh, so then she started on with the probiotics. I think she used a prescriptive cyst and some others. Yeah, and within a few days, her, her diarrhea was clearing up. And, and the last I heard, she's still doing, going through some botanicals and, you know, some charcoal things like that, trying to get rid of this morgani before she restarts the potato starch. But yeah, people have all kinds of things in their guts. You know, even back in the early studies with, with potato starch and, and prebiotics in general, they, you know, even just healthy screened people that were doing these studies, they found about 25% of the people couldn't handle the prebiotics, no matter what it was, inulin, potato starch. And that was 20 some years ago. So now, you know, it's probably even worse. So it, it's a pretty big supposition that, okay, everyone should be able to handle um, these types of starches. But in my experience, well, a lot of people don't. So the question is, is the problem with the starch <laughs> or the type of starch or is the problem uh, with the people or is the problem with the gut biome? And, and if people did modify their gut biome in order to you know, effortlessly uh, digest starch, as well as the fats, which are kind of the foundation of, of how I perform at my best. How do we know what other effects that's going to have on the body? I mean, are you going to die 20 years sooner? Are, are you uh, are you going to get yeast? Are you going to get brain fog? Are you going to get problems with histamine-forming lactobacilli? 
uh, stuff like that. You know, um, uh, you know, there's always the, the counter argument to all of this stuff that we that we do that, uh, well, you know, people live on average longer than ever. Sure. But of course, we know that, you know, living longer is you want to live well as yeah. long as you possibly can. And, and we've gotten to the point where, you know, we can prolong someone's life 20 years but in a lot of cases, it's not much of a life, you know, kind of like a brain in a vat sort of a thing, you know, in some in some cases. I mean, if, if everybody gets this healthy gut, does it mean that we uh, that we kick out at 50 instead of that? <laughs> but, you know, all I can go by is what I've seen in myself and what I've seen in others. And, uh, you know, I have had I've had sinus allergies all of my life. And I was one of these ones at the first with the with the potato starch. And I was doing potato starch, green plantain flour, green banana flour, even a little tapioca start, uh, FOS inulin, you know, that sort of thing. So I had, I had basically the only negative I had was the gas, which could just be so hilarious. Sometimes it was like beyond, it's like, this is just too funny. But what happened was a lot of people, they get in this mode of like, okay, I have to take it every day. But I, what I've always done pretty much is number one, I vary the dose. I never take the same dose. I may take one teaspoon one day and five tablespoons the next. And then one day I'll take nothing. And then every once in a while I'll go three days without nothing, right? Just kind of yeah. more modeling like a food kind of thing instead of like just, just pounding it. So all, you know, the gas resolved and I had the great dreams. I felt good. All of these positive benefits. But then, once I finally broke down and, and decided to take the, uh, the three soil-based probiotics that Dr. Grace had recommended, the, the Primal Defense Ultra, the AOR Probiotic 3, and the Prescriptive yeah. Assist. Those are the same three I've been using yeah. like for 10 years. Yeah. Right? And once I did that with, along with the resistant starch in the various forms, I couldn't believe it that all, within three days – you know, I have always had to carry around, you know, a paper towel to blow my nose. And I still do. I, but it's like literally 80 to 90% less. And when I sleep at night, I can breathe through my nose because I've always, you know, I always I wake up in the middle of the night with dry mouth because my nose is clogged, you know. Wow. That is reduced by so much. So my point is that I think people need to like just play around with this thing. I, I said to someone uh, this morning in a, in, a, in a comment on my blog, I said, from my perspective, about 80% of the people don't have any problems with like potato starch or resistant starch in general, and they'd see some benefits, you know, uh, the farting aside, because that typically resolves for most people in time. Uh, and then there's 20% where it either doesn't appear to do anything for them or they get some sort of adverse thing. Then you add in the, the probiotics in combination with it. I think that 20% you get more like half to maybe a few more of those. And even with the 80% like myself can see more improvement than they were getting by adding the, the probiotics. But then you're going to have that 5 to 10% who just, it's not going to work, and you're probably looking fecal transplant, you know, uh, or something like, like that with some, with some people that uh, their guts are just so jacked 
that there's no there's no coming back. I, I think in some years we're going to see fecal transplant tourism. You know, these uh, pe- people will start going to Tanzania to get a fecal transplant from a Hadza who's never been exposed to antibiotics, any pesticides or toxins or anything well, like that. It, it's funny. Natrin makes a probiotic uh, that was cultured from the vagina of a woman in 1972 who had never taken antibiotics. Uh-huh. And so I, I tried making sauerkraut with that. And uh, that sauerkraut must have been the highest uh, histamine sauerkraut I've ever had. Like this, I'd, I'd eat you know a cup of that stuff and I was just completely just I felt like crap after I'd eat it for three days of brain fog. Like it was, it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's kind of funny, you know, I, I've also thought for years knowing that I've been in antibiotics for like a, a good portion of my life that yeah, fecal transplant's a great idea. So I, I thought about, you know, posting on Craigslist. <laughs> How do you find someone, you know, Hey, let's can I have some of your poop. Like it, it's such an awkward thing. And plus you don't know what you're getting, right? So uh-huh. you, you might also pick up a parasite. You can get all sorts of weird stuff. So, I'm, I'm not certain what the future that's going to look like, but I hope it's a little bit more quantified. And the other question for you guys, that's part of that is we evolved, and this is going back to, you know, the ancestral health type side of things. We evolved eating certain substances on a regular basis. So what's in the world around you? That's what you eat. And now like I have pizza hut, Taco Bell, uh, Chinese food, and we're eating stuff from Peru one day and somewhere else another day. And it seems like our gut biome would not change on a day-to-day basis. So you need to be eating at that Thai restaurant every day for a month for your gut bacteria to adjust themselves. What, what is the, what's the answer going to look like for people, not just resistant starch, but just for the gut biome in general, given our diet isn't conducive to, you know, feeding the bacteria the same way on a regular basis? Like, like, is there an answer or do we need just like mix poop from 20 different places and, you know, take it as a capsule? Any thoughts? I mean, I, I don't expect you to know the answer. I just want to hear your thinking about it. <laughs> I think the, the gut microbiome is, uh, is pretty amazing. And I think it actually, it changes on a by-meal basis. It doesn't require, you know, weeks and weeks between different meals to adapt to different types of food. But there's only certain things that really get down to the to the to the large intestine that serve as food for, for all these different you know the, the micro the microbes that are down there. Just just eating a standard American diet, you know, going to McDonald's you know twice a week and Burger King and fast food whatever, and eating a lot of pizza and drinking beer. You're, you're probably giving your your large intestine maybe three to five grams of resistant starch at the most. And, and most of that is coming from like potato chips and the burnt ends of French fries and little things. But but your gut microbes are also getting other other foods. They're getting um, bile acids. They're they're getting sloughed off skin from your stomach and small intestine, and it's kind of recycling the the mucus layers in your large intestine. And uh, there's also some some indigestible portions of proteins, glycoproteins, I guess they call them, that you found there. There's all kinds of things. So, so as long as you're forming a turd, your gut microbes are something. So right. if, you don't have, if you have constant diarrhea, that means you, you don't have the gut microbes to form a turd. And, uh, you know, it sounds kind of crude, but that's, that's the reality of it. And that's like the lady with the Morganella overgrowth. She was just chronic diarrhea from it. So all her gut microbes, you know, weren't the type that, you know, form, <laughs> form 
Bristol stool, you know, number four, four stools on there. And, uh, but, but when you start adding resistant starch to your meal on a regular basis, you know, when, uh, you start eating the cooked and cooled rice, cooked and cooled potatoes, and even cooked and cooled beans like we like, it's like you start getting more resistant starch. And what that does is require several different microbes to, to eat the resistant starch. And there's like what they call keystones and co-feeders. So it creates a big diversity of gut microbes in there. And these things are all um, engaged in producing butyrate and producing other chemicals. And even some of them produce chemicals that other ones eat in, in the you know the, the microbial populations they they, uh, they they come up to meet this new food source so it's just starting to eat in a better way your your gut microbes are going to be you know a better profile so what what about ketosis so if we're on a zero starch diet which for a lot of people it, it creates you know incredible mental clarity you get the ketosis and then of course you add starch in my recommendations are you know every three to seven days you have a day where you're eating a substantial amount of carbohydrate both for the gut biome and also just because you don't want to stay in ketosis forever at least i don't think that that's advisable so what what's the timing look like on this stuff that i think i think that's good advice dave, dave because you know uh, i think one reason one one reason for the mental clarity with uh, with ketosis is the same way you have you can have mental clarity if you like chop off your finger you know you'll, <laughs> you'll have you'll have extreme mental clarity but do you want to chop off your finger no in other words, you know, ketosis, ketosis is an, is an evolutionary adaptation to starvation. And the, and the thing is, see, a, a lot of people don't understand that, you, yes, you can go into mild ketosis by restricting carbohydrate very little, but you could, you can go into ketosis on a pure sugar diet if your calories are low enough, right? So it's, yeah, a, it's, it's very it's, low calories, but yeah, yeah, okay, yeah right. That. Yeah. Well, we had people when, when back before this whole resistance starch thing, there was the thing going around called the potato hack, which that's where Tater Tot Tim got his <laughs> his name, where people were doing basically that Chris Voigt deal where you eat almost nothing but potatoes, maybe a little yeah. little ketchup on it or little, you know, the spices or whatever, a little bit of olive oil or something. And and you drop weight precipitously. Well, we can come to find out that people that were doing this were measuring some of them were measuring their ketones and finding that eating their fill of just potatoes every day, they would still be in ketosis because the most they could get to was about 13 to 1500 calories a day because they just, you know, the potato was so filling and that was a good 500, maybe 800,000 deficit calories and they were in ketosis. So ketosis, I like to look at ketosis as as a survival adaptation when you have no food or not enough food and maybe that's where the mental clarity uh, comes from a survival of the fittest kind of a deal so it's something i don't think is good in a chronic state so i support your idea of every every few days you know load up on uh, load up on carbs however you do it you know whether you drink you know eat fruit or drink some fruit juice or get some starches or whatever i think that's a great idea uh, oh one one other thing i wanted to briefly mention when you were talking about all these different foods and what you have around you the pizza hut and everything like that too well i think there's some there's probably some hormetic benefit from uh, from every once in a while engaging in those in those toxins just to give you an example uh, yesterday i posted this this woman basically used and she's a medical practitioner she had a salmonella infection for like six months 
uh, from from eating some bad chicken. And as a medical pr- practitioner, she is banned from where she has to have two consecutive stool samples that don't have the salmonella in it. Putting out the she couldn't. Da 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 da. So she goes on the R the the potato starch and the, those three three probiotics for ten for I think ten weeks or something like that. Boom. Got rid of the salmonella. The, the three, just so people listening, Prescriptacyst, which is the SBO I recommend uh, as well, and I think a lot of the paleo people are in the SBO. The other one was Advanced Orthomolecular Research Probiotic 3, uh, which is a super cool one um, made by a guy who's uh, just a, a gem of a human being. And the other one, the Primal Defense Ultra, is Jordan Rubin, who's actually been on the Bulletproof podcast, who kind of saved his own life. So these are three like time-tested, good quality ones. Just everyone listening is going to want to know those three, so go ahead. So, yeah, she got rid of her salmonella okay. from it. She brought her uh, fasting uh, blood glucose from 130 down to the 70s, where it stays every day now. And she lost her gluten sensitivity. For five years, she was paleo. She couldn't eat the slightest bit of gluten, or she said she'd be a swollen, itchy mess. And now she's not. I guess I could say that my point is is that there's two ways to approach to approach the, the bulletproof idea. And that one is you can just eliminate, 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 eliminate everything that you're sensitive to. Or another approach might be to figure out a way that you can tolerate some tolerate it to the extent not that you're eating it all the time yeah. but that that when you get it it doesn't send you into a crazy thing because you're so pure that you can't you can't tolerate any amount of it anymore so i, I hope you get my point on that I, I do get your point on that and and i mean there's a reason that i've dropped so much money on so many different kinds of probiotics and other things and i've done you know colon hydrotherapy and you know coffee enemas and you know pretty much if it's been written about uh, and, and it affects the gut biome at some point in the last 15 or so years, I've, I've probably tried it um, with the exception of a fecal transplant. And that wasn't because I wouldn't do it. It's because I don't know where to get good poop. Uh, otherwise, I'd do that too. Like I, I, I've <laughs> All right. If you're watching, Tim just raised his hand, which it, it is only slightly disturbing. But hey, FedEx me a, a, a nice one, would you? <laughs> people, people were joking in my blog comments for a while that Mark Sisson needs to add another product to his his uh, health line, uh, you know, his own. He, he makes good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. poop. I, I can see it. Primal poop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the on the, you know, are you so pure you, you don't handle stuff? It it's a it's a rough thing because a lot of times you know you do want to go out to a restaurant and people who get used to feeling like the laser focus, they're kind of like, I guess I could do it, and that's one of the reasons that that I do the upgraded coconut charcoal because. You know, if you're going to eat stuff, there's a question. Are you getting toxins from the food? And certainly some foods, you do get toxins directly from the food, and they do affect your brain. Even if you have a good gut biome, they still affect your brain. If you can bind some of the toxins preferentially um, using an adsorbent agent, okay, that makes good sense. By the way, that's the answer to the trivia question uh, at the beginning was activated charcoal. So that, that's one thing. And then, you know, eating adequate fat changes your blood sugar response if you're eating a lot of sugar. So there's, you know, there's various hacks like that. Um, at the at the end of the day, I haven't seen something that makes me believe like 
MSG. Oh, I should have like a dose of MSG once a month, so I'll you know be more resilient to MSG. Like I think those just don't have a place. So it, it's very fine grained. But there's a great argument that says you know don't be in too steady of a state. You should wobble, which is why I'm like have a refeed day. But I do know that the people I work with and in my own experience, if my refeed day is like you know Carl's Jr. and Coke and and cheesecake or whatever, um, I'm gonna take at least four days before I get like the laser focus and the brain that's always on and just the effortless kind of state that I'm used to living in. So what I'd love to see from the research you guys are doing and certainly my own self experiments with it right now is if I can increase my resilience, I can make it easier to be in that state that I'm seeking on a daily basis. That would be an amazing gift. And I'd, I'd love to have more people feel that way more of the time, not just me. Is that your experience? I mean, what's your energy like when you're on a high RS diet versus on a, a clean diet where you know you feel great on the clean diet? Or did you never have that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel great with the high RS diet, and I've okay. been doing it now for well over a year. And uh, I, I'm kind of like you with the biohacking stuff. I like to uh, get medical labs as much as I can, and I work in a hospital. So it's really easy for me to go to the lab and get blood drawn. Oh, and I have, fun. I have two insurances, so I can kind of, you know, use use one on one quarter and another on another quarter where they like to do it, you know, twice a year. So I kind of got them all separated out where if I want, I can get labs every three months and, you know, track my cholesterol and track a few other markers that I like to see. But, yeah, my energy level is great. My cholesterol is great. All my... Uh, Every, you know, the standard labs that they track has been perfect. And uh, my A1C dropped from, I think at one point, it was up around 6, which is, you know, almost diabetic. But I was, you know, pre-diabetic. And now it's like 4.7, which is, you know, right at the very bottom of the uh, of the normal range. So so much. so everything was just, you know, perfect as far as the labs. And, uh, and you've, you've lost a ton of weight, Tim, right? Yeah. Um, what happened, kind of my, my story, similar to yours, um, I was in the military, and I spent a lot of time over in the desert back in 2004, right after the first, you know, right after 9-11, and uh, so at that time, they thought there was a big anthrax problem, so, so what they did to make us, uh, you know, bulletproof soldiers is they shot us full of Cipro. Lovely. So kind of, for the whole, there was a one point five months, we went in, I think it was got a, a Cipro booster Ouch. for five months. And I mean, and I and during that time, I went from pretty healthy, you know, and uh, my digestion just tanked. I was having, you know, heartburn and GERD. You couldn't even get, you know, Pepto-Bismol at the little uh, store they had there on the on the post we were at. You know, when, when your family asked what you want, they're expecting you to say cookies and <laughs> Telling them to send Tums and Pepto Bismol. <laughs> Ouch. We just thought it was because of the crappy food we were eating in the little dining facilities. But you know, people—I mean, we weren't sleeping. You know, people were kind of kind of going crazy and getting sent home. And now there's all this post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, I know that all that's linked to the to what they did with the Cipro over there. That's going to be the new Agent Orange. You know, wait and see. But but uh, yeah. So when I got back from there, you know, that was in 2004. That's, that's the last antibiotics I've had. From 2004 to about 2008, I gained about 70 pounds. Yep. I went full-fledged full, full metabolic syndrome. My my uh, my A1C and fasting blood glucose shot up. I gained all this weight. I was on you know cholesterol medicine, blood pressure medicine, all that. 
So long story short, you know, I was doing everything the doctors were saying, eating whole grains, lean meat, <laughs> exercise. And then I developed gout, so I couldn't exercise anymore. So, you know, just, it was just one thing after another. So I started looking around on the Internet, you know, found Mark Sisson and Primal Blueprint. I found you. I had your, your food uh, pictograph up on my refrigerator at one point. I was, I was doing all this stuff. I was doing the Bulletproof Coffee and, uh, you know, the stick blender. And yep. I was doing everything that, that was against what the doctors were telling me to do. <laughs> and, uh, and it worked out great. Within six months, I was off all my medicine. I wow. lost about Love it. 30, 40 pounds in that first six months. My gout completely disappeared. You know, and it was just, uh, it was great. You know, I was just, just like, like you guys were bulletproof and, uh, and primal and all that. And everything was just great. But then, you know, things started, you know, evening out. I lost about a hundred pounds and, uh, then I started getting the low carb syndrome where I want to lose another 10 pounds. So to do that, I'll cut out all the carbs. I'll go zero carb, you know. Yeah. No repeats. You know, and I did all that and it was same, you know, dry eyes. It, it wrecked my health. I, I had to stop after three months. It, it's bad news. It, it was the same here, and and I think uh, I was on your site where I came across that deal with like every couple of days eating some starches, and that was just about the time of the safe starch debates, you know. <laughs> and then I, I adopted that pretty heartily, you know. And that was a couple of years ago. So I started eating rice and potatoes, and then I started reading about resistant starch. And yeah, so about a year and. Almost a year and a half ago, I came across, you know, potato starch as a form of resistant starch. So I just started doing that, and I talked Richard into doing it, and Richard started it, and then we started blogging about it. But, yeah, I would say, you know, my energy levels have been great. My, uh, my, my you know, my brain energy has been great. And then, um, yeah, my labs have all been great. So, yeah, so I guess I'm talking a little bit too much. But no, not, not at all. I think people are fascinated to hear this stuff, Tim, because – you know, you, you started monitoring, you looked at what works, you, you got somewhere. And part of the whole philosophy that, that I'm really setting out in the Bulletproof Diet book here is that, look, there's a bunch of, of suspect foods that, that are probably not serving you well. You might want to just see how it feels to be clean for a little while and then start adding stuff back in and see what it does and maybe measure the results. So yeah. there's even an app that looks at your heart rate. Like if you add something in that messed you up, your heart rate's going to tell you before you feel it really. So there's there's all kinds of cool hacks that, that we can do. And I mean, I, I would love to be able to say, oh yeah, I, I take, you know, two spoonfuls of starch. I maintain my mental things. My, my kids don't laugh at me because I, I fart all the time, uh, stuff like that. And I can't say I'm there yet, <laughs> but uh, my first experiment with resistant starch didn't go well at all. Um, this current one I'm in right now, um, I've been taking arabinogalactan, uh, which feeds a specific species in the gut that allegedly makes you more resilient to aflatoxin, which is an interesting bulletproof skill to have. Uh, and that stuff, man, like I don't even want to be in the room with myself, much less anyone else. Uh, but after three or four days, it, it started uh, it started calming down. So I, I'm eager to do another, uh, another study. I've been using the corn-based uh, resistant starch, the high amylose starch, uh, because the potato starch still uh, I think it's a potato thing. I get rashes from it, and it, it, I don't believe there's a lot of lectin in it. I also, and I haven't actually published this, but um, I ran, one of the concerns with potatoes, 
that I have is that there's about 20 different things during harvesting and storage that make the potatoes go wrong. So they make a lot more self-defense anti-nutrients. They have fungal problems. And these are like well-documented in potato farmers. And the rest of us are like, oh, I just ate a potato. Sometimes I felt good. Sometimes I didn't. But the variable was the potato itself. So I'm like drying potatoes, getting starch. There's got to be mycotoxins in there. So I sent them off to my labs and we ran them through a medium sensitivity test. And I don't want to say the brand because I did one sample size. I don't want to imply that, that the brand is it's a major national brand of, of potato starch. And it came through with flying colors, like as low as it gets. So I don't think there's a mycotoxin issue in it. But I can tell you, I still get rashes from it. So maybe it's a lectin issue or maybe it's a gut biome issue. But I, for people who are listening to this, if you're going to experiment with this, check out the stuff that you guys have written on Free the Animal for sure. I mean, there's what, 900 comments now, Richard? You know, they, there's, well, uh, there's, there's now a roughly um, 100 different posts that are tagged resistant starch. And it covers the board from stuff where we, where Tim and, and, and I have dug up research, you know, everything, every topic you can think of. And most of those posts have at least a couple hundred comments. One one post has has like a thousand comments. So it's safe to say there's if you started reading the Bible today and started reading all those posts and the comments, you probably finished the Bible first. <laughs> it's it's huge at this point. One thing that's good about reading the comments is that we have it's mostly positive anecdotes, but there's there's plenty of negative anecdotes there too. But then there's also if you if you're able to look at it through time, you can come and say, well, so this person says this, and then you know later on, way down the thread, or maybe even on another thread, they're like, hey, I did this, and this helped, and and so I'm on my way. That's one of the things that got me uh, convinced that most people need to get on the probiotics, the SPOs as well, because one woman was having the the potato starch was giving her headaches, mm -hmm. like migraines, like serious headaches. She took the, I think it was the prescript assist was the only yeah. one she took. And it was like, boom, headache's gone. So it's so complex what you're dealing with. You're dealing with up to a thousand different species with a genome that's a hundred times our genome. You know, yeah. our genome is 1% of, of everything that, that there is about us. So it is, when you say, is there a genetic component to obesity? Well, yeah, mm -hmm. but it but it may be the ninety nine percent of the genes that is the big component to it, right? So, yeah. there, uh, Tim, do you mind if I talk about what's in your gut specifically? Because I I saw your labs, you know, Grace shared them with permission, but can I talk about them on the air? Yeah, yeah. Thank All right. So I I looked at all of your your different uh, species, um, quite impressive. But the one that stood out that kind of made me uh, sort of want to high five myself, although I actually don't do that when no one's watching, um, was that your lactobacilli count was relatively low compared to all of the other species you had. Did did you notice that or have any thoughts about it? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I did. I did think that was strange. And uh, prior to that test, I had been actually taking several pre probiotics with lactobacillus in them because of my American gut, I think the lactobacillus was non-existent. It yep. was like, like down around, I, I, I don't even know if it was 0 0.01 or less, you know, I don't even know if it even showed up on there. And I, and I couldn't, I thought that was really strange because I eat a lot of fermented foods, a lot of sauerkraut and uh, I'm around, you know, farm and stuff like that. So I should be full of this stuff, but I, 
I just I have a feeling that a lot of people that the lactobacillus just doesn't stick around, or it's in a kind of in a biofilm where it isn't in your in your feces, so it doesn't show up in, in the reports. But yeah, I, I wasn't worried about it at all because uh, I, I think that everything that's going on in my guts is really healthy. That's oh yeah, what is, is what what's in a healthy gut. I, it actually supported a hypothesis that I've had for a while. I wrote a, a really popular post called "You know Why Why Yogurt Makes You Fat and Foggy." And some of the species of lactobacilli are histamine formers and they're peroxynitrite formers. So they'll take nitrates and make them toxic. Or sorry, those are nitrosamines, not peroxynitrite. But so they're, they're nitrosamine formers. And even the, the big hoo-ha a while back about red meat raises TMAO and causes – that's also a gut bacteria-mediated thing. But those are mostly lactobacilli species. So some of the species that you can take – cause negative changes in the gut and they're alleged probiotics and i know when i take those species i get brain fog and i can grow a muffin top like no one else and it's lactobacilli mediated i also know that when i drink bulletproof coffee the phenols in coffee or when you eat blueberries or any of the brightly colored vegetables you're feeding the the bacterioides rather than feeding the firmicutes and thin people have lots of bacterioides you do by the way, uh, when you looked at yours, you have lots of those. And they have less firmicutes, which includes lactobacillus. I think some species of lactobacilli are fat people bacteria, and they make you slow, and they make you foggy, and they make you more susceptible to things. And there's probably some great species in there too. But when you clump all of them together, it's just like saying all starch is good or all starch is bad or all protein is good or bad. No, lactobacilli are fat people bacteria. Not all of them, but enough of them that I'm scared of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Hey, um. You ever you ever read up about Lactobacillus plantarum? Yeah, I, I was looking at what um, what Grace was saying about that, and I certainly uh, it just in the years of research, I've I've taken a few plantarum ones. That's uh, Primal Defense Ultra contains plantarum, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I, I was I was reading up on that, and uh, one place where it's really heavily concentrated is decomposing feathers. So, like chickens, if you raise chickens and stuff, they have a lot of it on there, and they even they add. Uh, composted feathers to like cow food and that makes the, the, the lactobacillus plantarum grow in the food to give the microbes in there. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about this, so like, remember everybody used to use old pillow, feather pillows? Yeah. So And uh, so it seems like at night, you know, you're sleeping on this feather pillow, you're slobbering on it. <laughs> A fermented feather pillow? So, it sounds like another product. Maybe you can get, maybe you can get Mark Sisson to sell it along with his poop. <laughs> Uh, bulletproof product for you. One thing, <laughs> and uh, I want some royalties on that one. But go to any any of your uh, Google or any search engine. Type in uh, Lactobacillus plantarum and BDNF, and I know you know what that is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and there's a there's a uh, strong connection between the L plantarum and uh, BDNF, which is brain derived neurotrophic factor. Neurotrophic factor, yeah. And, uh, and so the L plantarum actually increases the BDNF in every everybody every animal that they study it in. Wow! I mean, there's a connection there with uh, you know anxiety, depression, Alzheimer's, yeah. inflammation. You know, so so old people give them a feather pillow, tell them to slobber on it. <laughs> so I'm thinking that, that there's something to that because that's one another thing that's disappeared from our life is feathers. You know, it's like everybody used to use feather feather pillows, feather mattresses and that. 
You know, and they yeah. brought him into the house, and these things are a uh, natural sink for El Plantarum. And there's, yeah. an, there's another yeah. one, if you can second, but there's another one called uh, Bacillus um, lichenformis, yeah. and that's another feather degrader. Now, now El Plantarum is an antihistamine, right? It's histamine degrading. The, uh, the, the Bacillus lichenformis is histamine producing. But the, the lichenformis only grows on white feathers. And the people who know this is the people who raise birds, like parrots and stuff like that. This, that's where you learn all this stuff. But so you have this histamine producing growing on white feathers. You have the, uh, the, the antihistamine growing on all, all the feathers, the, 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 the decomposing feathers. But when you think about now chicken factories, right? They're raising chickens. Oh, yeah. What are all those chickens? They're white. You know, it's like, so we've bred these super histamine producing. So it's not enough to pay attention to A1 and A2 casein. You have to know the color of the feathers of the chicken that made your eggs, or it's just really not not as bulletproof as you could be. (laughs) It's just a nasty food, you know, because we we get these chickens, we pump them full of antibiotics, and they're all, they're raised so they have white feathers. And the reason they have white feathers is because when you pluck them, it leaves a nice clean carcass. So it's in the if, if you if you pluck a uh, a black chicken, it has little black dots all over mm-hmm. it. It doesn't look very uh, very appealing in the store. So so you genetically breed all these chickens to be white. You're, they're all producing histamines, you know. So so wow. it's like it's like yin yang thing is gone with the chicken farming. Then we pump them full of antibiotics. We eat the eggs. We eat the meat, and we got all the uh, all the crappy microbes from them. But you know, you get back to the to the heirloom breeds of chickens, like I raised ones called black jerseys, and uh, they're, nice. they're chickens, you know, and uh, the old feather pillows. I remember when I was a kid, we, we had some feather mattresses out in this barn, and we'd play with them, throw the feathers around, and they were just nasty old duck feathers in there. You know, they weren't wow. feathers. You know, but if you buy a, a feather pillow today, it's probably full of white feathers that are, you know, sterilized and won't grow anything, but, mm. you know, so... So yeah, so you need to start selling those some good black feather pillows. Fermented feather pillows. I, I, th- I think there might be a few regulatory uh, lines between here and there, uh, yeah, well, but I, I, it, it's really it, what you. What connection is amazing on that though. And raising BDNF is is like a core biohack exercise. Does it certain kinds of movement like yoga, blueberries, uh, intermittent fasting? I mean, there, there's so many things you can do. And even uh, you know, going in and out of ketosis is you know, you're changing the state. Anything that's causing hormetic change tends to raise BDNF because it helps us adapt to new environments. Um, high intensity interval training. So I did not know that about plantarum. I uh, I'm certainly yeah. familiar with it. L plantarum BDNF. You'll, you'll right. find the whole. We'll put a link in the show notes uh, to that Google query. I'll use. Uh, let me Google that for you. If you don't know that service, it's the best one ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when someone asks me a question. <laughs> now th- this has been an uh, an amazing conversation. I, I'm really glad that both you guys were able to come on here, and I I'm hoping you're planning to do some kind of a book on resistant starch coming up, right? It's uh, it's well in the works. Right. Um, uh, yeah, it, Grace and Tim and I, and uh, it's basically a package right now. Mm-hmm. But because it's because this is such a moving target. Oh yeah, we we found in a lot of instances of having to go back and really kind of 
adjust and, and rewrite stuff because there's new stuff coming out all the time. He, you know, at a point you got to say, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> it cut, cut. And, and that's kind of where we're at right now. I think Grace and Tim are currently working on a rewrite of a, of a chapter about uh, probiotics, uh, I, I believe. And I'm, I'm just a chapter two behind them in a, you know, word by word by word edit because it is quite long at this point. I don't know, Tim, 400, 450 pages, I think. That's long. And so I'm going through and I'm trying to say everything that we possibly can say in as few words as possible. Don't do the Gary Tobbs mistake. So Good Colors, Bad Colors was was just a seminal, amazing book. I couldn't put it down. But there aren't that many readers like the three of us who couldn't put it down, which is why he came out with, you know, why we get fat and what to do about it. Just keep keep it accessible because – uh, you know, I, I'm struggling the same thing with a bulletproof diet. I want to write at home, but I'm not. Yeah. 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 You can ask Tim when I go, I go through, and he was looking at revisions yesterday, and it's like I, I, I'm trying to write it that it's 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 like a narrative story about the all these bugs in your gut. You know, it's kind of like that was my original idea. Someone needs to tell their story, right? right? And but then it's got tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of references. I don't know. We I don't. It's got thousands of references. So a lot of people don't even look at the references. So yeah. you know, part of that word count is thousands of references. So I don't really know how it's going to shake out in the end with the with the length. But hopefully we'll know very soon right. because we've got to we've got to wrap this up. And do you have a publisher, or how's that all going to work? Well, Mark Sisson kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag on – remember when he was on your show? Yeah. In fact, that was the first time he said it publicly that we've been uh, um, back and forth on this. So. Okay, so that's official. We can talk about well, it. Uh, Mark's attitude, and I agree with him, is that it doesn't serve – because I write about resistance starch and Tim does and Grace does and everything, within that community, it's cool to say, you know, we're working on a book and da 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 but it doesn't really serve Mark's interest if it turns out he he officially publishes the book to, you know, make a big hay about it now. It's something you want to do yeah. a, a couple months before it comes out. That's when we'll hear Mark talking about yeah. it. So when the time comes for your book launch, uh, let me know a little in advance. We'll get you back on this show so people can hear the latest about the book. And it, it's, you know, I, okay. I really I like to support my friends launches as best as possible. And uh, the, the Bulletproof Radio podcast and is growing pretty pretty well. Number one well, ranks most of the time. So if, if we can push more readers towards your book, I think it's going to be an important kind of seminal work on nutrition. So I'm, I'm eager to read it. And if I can read it early, please let me. I'll even say something nice if it's worth and, it. <laughs> well, and, and we'll all return the favor with you as well, Dave. That, uh, when you say yours is a dude is going to be in December, you think? My deadline is June 1st. Uh, Rodale's publishing it. And uh, it should should come out December second. Okay. Yeah, that's a ooh, that's a tough deadline. I, I, you are the only podcast I'm recording this month because this is such important stuff. I, I moved all the rest of them out until I hit yeah. this deadline. All I'm doing is um, basically on stage appearances where I promised someone I'd be there and writing because there's so much I want to say. <laughs> Tim and I just talked about that the other day. This is probably the last thing we're gonna do until at least the book is, is off in, into the publishing queue. And then, you know, when that, the thing is, is when that happens, I'm going to be busy too, because, you know, by that point, you know, Tim and mm-hmm. Grace will be done and it will be my job to go through the excruciating process with the actual editors, you know? So, um, and that's going to be a nightmare. 
Okay. I, I totally understand that. <laughs> just, uh, just let me know when it's time to have you back on. You guys yeah. are always welcome. And before I let you go, I know we're running up on the end of our deadline here. There's a question that I've asked every guest, top three things for people who want to kick more ass. It doesn't have to be resistance to arch base, just your whole life, most important three things. And since I've got two of you, that means there's six. So Richard, why don't you go first? Uh, the top important three things is, is uh, number one, real food. And everybody knows what that is. Whatever your own particular dietary things are, whether you are more plant-based or whether you're more animal-based, just try to make it good and real uh, food. Um, and the second thing is, is get outside and have fun, whether that's a walk or whether it's, you know, working out outside, whether it's laying in the sun or, uh, or whatever. And number three is to get good sleep. But I like to say, I like to say it's kind of like what we were talking about with dosage with resistant starch. I'm not one of these guys who say, oh, I've got to get my eight, seven hours or eight hours every night. I prefer to be the kind of guy who has four hours one night and 10 hours another night. In other words, if I, if my body wants to sleep 10 hours, I'm going to sleep 10 hours. But if I wake up and it's, and, and I've slept for four and I feel like fine, raring to go, then get up and get going. Right. That's what healthy to people do. Get off, get off the clock uh, is what I would say in terms of sleep, sleep, sleep when you're tired, get up when you're not, you know, love it. That's my three. Tim, enlighten us with your tater tot knowledge. Yeah, so yeah, I guess what I've been telling everybody lately is read all that you can about the gut. There's so much coming out on it every day. There's articles, there's you know, blogs, everything. Just read every one of those gut articles and uh, and YouTube videos. Watch those. But learn as much as you can about the gut. And when you're reading it, listen to that. Keep in the back of your mind resistant starch, prebiotics, and probiotics, and how that changes you know, what you're hearing about it. Because a lot of things you read and hear about the gut, it seems like it's really out of your control. But when you're feeding the gut and uh, you know, supplying new microbes in there, th things things actually can, can be within your grasp to make these changes. So it's also to so read, read all you can about the gut. Also, try to get in touch with the dirt, especially this summer. You know, go out, grow a garden, dig in the dirt. Put some plants and new trees, you know, just try to keep your hands dirty in the summer and don't go crazy about, you know, sterilizing them. There's so many microbes in the dirt. All these, uh, most of the probiotics that we've talked about today are in the dirt. You know, if you pick up a handful of dirt, you're going to get L. plantarum on your hand. You know, the stuff lives in the dirt. And, uh, and, uh, also, like I tell people, biohack yourself. You know, biohack something. Try some new things and see how you feel. Don't just read the blog where we say eat four tablespoons of potato starch and it doesn't work. You quit and call it a bad experiment. You know, you know, biohack it. Look for some, you know, try to figure out what's not working. Try to make it work for you just like you're doing. I mean, you didn't stop potato starch. You, you moved on to other things and you're finding things that work for you. And that's, that's what I like to tell people. Just, you know, keep biohacking yourself. And you got the rest of your life to get it right. Love it. Guys, thanks for being on here. Uh, let's see. Uh, name some blogs real quick that people can go to. And then uh, I know you got to run, uh, Richard, specifically. So freetheanimal.com. And is any other places we should send people? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, Paul Jaminette, Perfect Health Diet. Oh, yeah. Good, good resource. Great guy. Uh, is, is, is one. And he's he's pretty, so he, of course, supportive of starches and, and resistant starch. 
Uh, Rob Wolf has been talking about it. Uh, RobWolf.com. Chris Kresser has been talking about it, been promoting it. Has, and Chris is in clinical practice and has had a lot of good results with his patients, which is important to understand. And then, of course, our collaborator, uh, Grace Liu, uh, that's bganimalfarm.blogspot.com, if I'm not mistaken. That's where the where where a lot of this action is on uh, on resistant starch. Oh, and then Mark Sisson, uh, Mark yeah. Daily Apple. He's he has a he finally came out and did a definitive guide. And when Mark Sisson does a definitive guide, that means he has been convinced that there is something big and important about this. So, you know, there's not a, there's not tons of definitive guides. It has to be something more that he considers real worthy to do that. Lovely. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hearing about your book when it comes out. Thank you, Dave. Hey, if you haven't heard yet, we've got activated charcoal back in stock. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.